Welcome to Breaking Barriers Project Institute Radio. We're on the air. Porter Myrick, entrepreneur, a corporate executive, attorney, and healer. It's a pleasure talking with you today. How are you doing? Brother Carrington Davis, it's an honor and a privilege to be on the air. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, first off, uh, I understand your father was a Tuskegee Airman. Can you tell us a, a bit about that? He sounds like he was a very interesting person, also a healer of sorts. Yes. Yeah, my dad, uh, Porter Myrick Sr., uh, was um, born in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, at about the age of five or six, uh, my grandfather, um, actually my grandmother, got into a dispute with a store owner uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, uh, not uncommon to uh, black families, uh, you know, during that period of, you know, involved in the Great Migration, the, um, as a result of the dispute, my um, grandfather and grandmother's house was uh, burned down by the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, fortunately, my grandfather had insurance, so um, you know the family was able to migrate to Chicago. Um, my father attended uh, Wendell Phillips High School in Chicago, went to Xavier University of New Orleans on an athletic scholarship, and upon graduation from um, Xavier, he uh, joined the military and became a part of the uh, Tuskegee Airmen. So um, yeah, my dad had, uh, and my mom both had a very interesting uh, background in terms of being a part of that uh, Southern migration uh, to uh, two cities like Chicago. He was uh, a pilot before he went in. Am I correct about that? That's that's correct. Yeah, actually, at Wendell Phillips High School, Wendell Phillips High School at that time had a pilot training program. So before my dad even went into uh, the military, he had earned his his uh, a private pilot's license uh, as a high school student. Uh, and and this is in you know in the 1930s. Can you imagine that? Yes, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Yep. Well, as far as you're concerned, uh, give us a, a. I know that you work for uh, several corporations in healthcare and, and benefits, and and that you're an attorney. Uh, you're a Howard graduate. Uh, give us a short scenario of your career, uh, starting from from Howard. Well, um, after receiving my uh, bachelor's from Howard in 1971. <clears throat> Uh, went to work briefly for uh, Sears Roebuck and Company. Um, after about three years, I went to work for uh, Merrill Lynch as an as an account executive. And, and Carrington, the interesting thing about both of those companies were that they were both under consent decrees from the Department of Justice to hire um, uh, more persons of color. You know, at at that time. So I was I was fortunate to be coming out of Howard uh, at a time when there were some corporations who were uh, recruiting, training, uh, and hiring uh, African Americans. So after um, 
about five years with uh, with Merrill Lynch, I, I sought an opportunity to get into um, you know institutional and corporate sales, and an opportunity came up with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, and that's really where I got my start uh, in terms of uh, the career path related to uh, health and welfare benefits, health insurance, and and managed care. So um, upon um, uh, you know, going to work for uh, Blue Cross, um, all state got into the uh, group medical benefits in a, in a big way in the um, early 1980s, and you know I worked there for for uh, for quite some time. And uh, upon leaving the um, uh, you know the Blue Crosses of the world and the uh, all states of the world, I actually went to work for a, a minority-owned company called Group Insurance Administration which was a, a claims um, paying uh, third party administrator, the only African-American owned company of its type in the country at that time. And uh, we were, do were doing business with um, major uh, urban cities that had African-American mayors, such as uh, Chicago, Illinois, where Harold Washington was mayor, um, New Orleans uh, 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 had a black mayor, Washington DC, uh, you know, also had a black mayor. So we had offices in all, all three of those towns and eventually also had an office in, in Atlanta, you know, Georgia. So we were able to process the self-insured health insurance claims for the employees of those, um, of those companies. Um, now, uh, working with the uh, city of Chicago, uh, an opportunity came up for me to join the city as benefits manager uh, under the late um, Harold Washington. And uh, I was honored to and privileged to work, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the mayor. And uh, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of during that time was that we were able to include uh, minority uh, in, the, uh, in the city as these purchasing program. So accounting firms, law firms, uh, uh, claims administration firms, black actuary, um, as well as black printing companies, consultants, we're all able to get uh, opportunities to uh, do business with uh, the city of Chicago, Cook County, Chicago Park District, Chicago Public Schools, and all the various municipal agencies and um and and at the same time bring a, a certain level of excellence uh here before that really had not existed uh among among you know the city uh the, the array of vendors that the city had and previously used so uh i know we were very proud to uh to participate in including more uh african-american owned and women owned uh, enterprises as part of the city and even subsequent mayors have maintained those programs and those kinds of uh, opportunities for own uh, companies uh, not only in Chicago but also in in, in other um, you know major metropolitan areas you have some ideas about economic development as well uh, you want to talk a bit about that well certainly uh, you know the the health uh, enterprise, you know, the healthcare enterprise 
uh, provides an opportunity to, um, you know, provide opportunities. In other words, if we're if we're not healthy, it's hard to go to work. It's hard to uh, engage in um, develop because health is a precious and the um, uh, some of the historical barriers that we've seen to access to health care uh, is something that, you know, is a priority now and uh, is, is a priority going forward in terms of making sure that we have access to care. Certainly this uh, pandemic, uh, Carrington and the rollout of the vaccine, the vaccine hesitancy has um, in stark relief shown, you know, what kind of damage has been done in our community with respect to hesitancy and um, has really underscored the need for some of the historical damage that has been done that has resulted in this um, vaccine hesitancy damage to be repaired. So uh, there's there's a, a great deal that we can do to build the kind of healthcare infrastructure uh, that we need in order for uh, our community to be healthy. And one of the one of the biggest areas that we can do that in is making sure that our um, our clinical providers in our community, our physicians, our nurses, and all our healthcare workers are adequately compensated for the um, efforts that and the heroic efforts that they have performed not only in uh, administering health care during the pandemic for people that uh, you know tested positive and and, and needed <clears throat> um, health care services for COVID-19 but going forward because there uh, there are a lot of areas where we still need to um, improve the overall health of the community and making sure that <clears throat> healthcare workers, uh, physicians, dentists are are adequately compensated is, is a big priority. And so, uh, you know, during the course of, of, of my career, probably the latter part of my career uh, in managed care pharmacy, of course, you know, that was one of the areas that uh, we folk that I focused on was uh, really trying to maximize reimbursement for for pharmacies. Uh, but I, I must admit that the number of independent African-American owned pharmacies over the last, you know, 25 to 50 years has um, has gone down. I mean, there there are uh, African-Americans and people of color in uh, in the uh, pharmacy space, but um, most tend to be working in, you know, for large, uh, large corporations uh, like the pharmacy chains like Walgreens or CVS or the pharmacy benefit managers like Express Scripts or um, CVS Health. So there, there are some uh, challenges ahead of us, you know, in that space. And uh, I, I plan to continue to do as much advocacy work as I possibly can uh, to make sure that these companies uh, give opportunities to, um, um, to, to independent, uh, you know, African-American-owned pharmacies and independent uh, pharmacies owned by owned by females or other other persons of color, uh, because the pharmacy has has uh, been some somewhat neglected in terms of being a source of 
information for people in our in our community and can um, help anchor uh, both on the retail side and on the uh, healthcare delivery side uh, provide education uh, as well as competent and um, entrusted service to persons in in our community so it's important that not only do we continue to have people coming out of uh, the Howard University School of Pharmacy, but persons of color coming out of all the pharmacy schools are around the country. Body-Mind Connection, uh, tell us what that's about. Okay, Mind-Body Connection is really a story about four African-American women that um, recognized in, in 2018 the um, implementation of a farm bill that uh, allowed for uh, cannabis products to be uh, farmed and harvested, uh, manufactured and, and distributed. There has, you know, the, 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 the whole issue of cannabis in our community, the, the issue of, um, of, of uh, the extra policing and um, the injustice uh, and the prosecution of, of small amounts of marijuana has been a scourge on our, on our community. Now that um, cannabis has become uh, recreational, uh, that it's become, that we found medical benefits for it, well, Mind Body Connection is, is a company that is um, uh, distributing and uh, marketing uh, the those health-related products uh, under cannabis uh, to the public while providing, you know, uh, you know, business opportunities through a network marketing, um, you know, business model, but also well-designed and, and well-researched cannabis products that are, are have demonstrated a great deal of, of promise in terms of um, improving the overall health in our community uh, without people having to resort to um, the uh, prescription drugs and invasive surgery. So Mind Body Connection is, is a minority-owned company founded by four uh, Black women here in the Chicago area that's uh, nationwide and uh, providing uh, great opportunities for people. And having worked for myself for a, um, a managed care company, a pharmacy benefit management company that has been involved in prescription drug um, distribution, administration, and management for, for over 20 years. It was really refreshing for me to participate in the, in the marketing and distribution of cannabis products that um, are, are offering a great deal of promise. Yeah, you're also a very spiritual person from what I can gather. And, and, and the mind is very important and the spirit is very important in terms of healing people and building communities. Uh, Absolutely. You... Absolutely. Yes. Um, the You know, it's interesting because, you know, kind of my first contact with, with spirituality was during my undergraduate days at, at Howard University. Uh, I, I kind of became, uh, you know, taking some of the, the courses uh, that we took there, um, just just kind of opened, opened my eyes, you know, beyond, you know, traditional religion. 
so it, it, it was a track that um, I, um, I continued to follow and uh, became uh, affiliated with um, Christ Universal Temple, which was kind of the founding church of the Universal Foundation of Better Living, founded by uh, the late um, great Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman and, and currently um, pastored by the Reverend Dr. Derek Wells here in Chicago. And um, so one of the one of the key uh, principles that we talk about is, is spiritual, spiritual healing, you know, that that healing first takes place in, in the mind. Uh, and, and, and it's uh, it's 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 one of the uh, one of the spiritual attributes and spiritual uh, abilities that we have. And, and it's something that we can cultivate and, and, and develop. And as we like to say, as within, so without, as it says in scripture, you know, as within, you know, so without. So it's, it's, it's something that I, 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 I've been in, involved in. I became a licensed uh, teacher with the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Uh, I'm currently uh, taking courses at the Johnny Coleman Theological Seminary. Uh, working on a master's in divinity. So, you know, I, you know, Howard really, Howard University opened up that, that thirst for um, lifelong learning. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, tickled to death to be, uh, be in school right now as we speak. Well, it sounds like you've had a very fantastic and interesting life. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you knew or how well you knew. I know you knew uh, Rash, uh, Felicia Rashad, who was just appointed head of the uh, dean of the School of Fine Arts and the re revitalization of that school. Uh, Howard is doing a lot of good things. And uh, likewise, you, you are too. Did, did you know her pretty well? You know, um, we knew, we were at least good casual friends uh while while she was you know we were on the yard at the same time and um we uh we attended many functions together um both her and her and her um well-known uh sister and fellow uh bison debbie you know alan so um yeah felicia was uh was was just a a, a great person then um and that she has uh, enjoyed the success uh, that she's had, and and now going to be bringing that back to uh, uh, to Howard to the reconstituted College of Fine Arts. I think it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing, and um, uh, I'm 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 looking forward to all the things that that Howard is doing under the leadership of um, of Dr. Frederick, and um, I you know even. Uh, Carrington, this most recent controversy about the, um, you know, ending the uh, classics department uh, has at least, uh, you know, generated a lot of discussion. I think it's been a, a lot of great dialogue in terms of the role that uh, classics has, has played historically and uh, how, um, you know, we're, you know, viewing uh, the course offerings, the department offerings, and and in terms of what our community you know needs and and how we not only look at ourselves but putting ourselves in the best position to um form the narrative about who and what we are as a people well 
it's been fantastic. I thoroughly agree with you. It's been fantastic talking with you. And I want to thank you again. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you in the future as we move ahead and, and create something that uh, for posterity. Well, I, I appreciate you including me in it. And I, I think it's a, it's, it's a great idea. Uh, our young people need to be able to tap into some of the experiences that, that we've had. And uh, I appreciate your leading uh, certain that, that this type of initiative take place. I, I appreciate that as well. So it's been a pleasure talking with you and uh, we'll uh, talk with you in the future. Okay, great. Good afternoon. You too. All right. Bye-bye. That's all the time we have. See you soon. Bye.